Welcome to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense, deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all. This is Janice Cohen, the Intuitive Therapist, here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. I'm excited to be with y'all today because I have something amazing to talk about with y'all that I truly think is going to change your life. Now, I always hope that whatever I talk to you about will change your life. That is my goal, is to give you valuable information, steps, strategies, really useful information to help you make uh, a difference in your life and change the quality of your life. And I hope that's going to happen today. We all have what I call an inner guru. We have an inner guru that allows us to tap into our warrior self, our psychic intuitive self. And we have an inner guru that allows us to truly tap into the essence of our emotions. What I find in hundreds of my clients, years and years and years of working with my clients, is that if you can tackle and deal with the issue that I'm about to talk to you about today, your life is going to change forever. You will never get stuck in an emotion. You will never go on that uh, um, hamster wheel over and over and over again. You will never be suspicious. You will never be stuck. And I'm going to tell you about this inner guru that I call two things. One I call the mini me. I'm going to tell you why. And the other thing that I refer to it is classically, it's been called child state. Some people call this the work that I'm about to talk to you about transactional analysis. It's if you were to imagine a triangle and in no particular order, on one corner you have uh, the, actually imagine this, the, the, the triangle looks like this. The adult is at the top, the critical parent is to the right, and the child is is to the left. So you see those words. The goal of transactional analysis is to be able to block the critical parent with the critical thoughts. The adult steps in as in, in the middleman to keep the child state safe. I'm going to tell you a story about a client of mine. Uh, this really going to undersc- underscore everything that I'm talking about. I think you'll find this story fascinating. And I think at some level, you're going to be able to understand how your child state shows up and how it can control you. And ultimately, how you're going to need to create a sense of safety for your child state in order for you as the adult to start taking over your life and achieving what you want to achieve. So like I said, I want to begin this podcast with a story about one of my clients. I've changed her name and some of the details to keep her anonymity, but I believe the story will truly help you understand the topic that I'm going to talk about today, which is how your child state is at the epicenter of how well you manage your emotions and manage your life. My client is one of truly one of the most beautiful and talented 25 year olds I've ever seen in my life and one of the sweetest young ladies I've ever met. She reached out to me because she needed a new way of dealing with an old problem 
and her current therapist wasn't helping her break through this one main barrier that prevented her from living a life filled with happiness, peace, and self-confidence. She was at the end of her rope when she called me. She was in tears, and she was begging for help, so we jumped in with both feet, and here's her story. I'm going to call her Lisa, but that's not her name. I've changed it entirely. Lisa's parents had been divorced for a number of years before the violation occurred. She was splitting her time between them, staying at her father's house every other weekend, and one particular weekend would change her life forever. Lisa was was 13 years old when it happened. He was a friend of her father's, and for some strange reason, she was left alone with this man, and he subsequently raped her a number of times. Her father was a heavy pot smoker, and because of that, his judgment wasn't always appropriate. Unfortunately, his lack of good judgment was the basis by which Lisa would become traumatized. My client didn't tell anyone about the rapes. She just kept it to herself, as many young girls do. She didn't have the language to tell anybody, and she sure as shit didn't know if anybody would believe her. She was scared to tell, and rightly so. How do you tell your parents that one of their friends raped you? For years, she acted out. She was angry, depressed, defiant, oppositional, and no one could figure out why she was acting this way all of a sudden. Her mother did everything she could to help her daughter. She gave her structure. She listened to her, tough love. And at times, really, she kind of just chalked up this behavior to severe teenage behavior. Several years later, Lisa finally told her mother what had happened. And in turn, her mother told Lisa's father, Unfortunately, he really didn't do much. He never confronted his friend. He never called the police. He never stood firmly behind his daughter in solidarity, making sure she felt safe. And it was from that point on that my client felt alone, abandoned, and lost. Her mother actively pursued charges against the perpetrator, and it took a really long time to get a court date. Her attorney stood behind, beside her in court, and she testified detailing everything that happened that day back in her early teens. He was finally convicted of rape and was sentenced to just a year and a half in jail. While she was glad he was convicted, she felt severely let down. She says, that's all he got? Really, a year and a half, and I have to live with, live with this for the rest of my life? She sought out therapy from an experienced therapist who helped her process to an extent and work through some of the trauma and she'd made some progress. She was getting her life back slowly on track in many ways. As she grew older, she ended up meeting a really great young man who truly came to love her and care for her, but she was terribly conflicted. On the one hand, she recognized how wonderful he was to her and for her, how much he truly cared for her, nurtured her, and created a sense of safety for her. But on the other hand, she was screaming bloody murder inside because she was terrified that she would be abandoned, rejected, and that she really ultimately couldn't bring herself to trust him. Her demons were in full force, and she ultimately undermined her relationship with him so much that he broke up with her. She was devastated. The very thing she feared would happen had happened. This is when we began our work first together, about a year ago. I worked with her back then to help her deal with the crisis, as well as helped her focus on what mattered most, her happiness in the present. I helped her learn how to communicate with him over time, 
ultimately uh, allowing them to reunite, feeling like he was finally understood. And so was she. They loved each other so dearly, and neither of them wanted to be apart from the, ch- from the, other, from the other. So fast forward to a year from then, which is now, uh, here she was, this beautiful, sweet, loving young lady, bawling her eyes out. And she needed relief, and she needed it fast. When I asked her what was going on, she said, I can't stop feeling lost, Janice. I know he loves me, and he wouldn't hurt me, but I cannot stop obsessing, feeling anxious and suspicious of him. I know rationally there is nothing for me to be suspicious of. We live together even, and which I'm very, very happy about. But we work different schedules, and I have no idea when, when, you know, when he gets home, whether or not he's taken home somebody. I'm not there. I can't tell. My therapist can't help me. She's taken me as far as I can, and I need your help. So I said I'm in. So rather than focusing on, uh, help, you know, getting her to focus on the situation she painted, which was her relationship, I took her a different route. And we focused on the root cause of her fear and anxiety, and it wasn't the relationship. It was rooted in her rape, but more so at the age of the trauma. And this is where we began our work. Immediately, I told her that the reason she felt lost, anxious, and fearful was because of her child state. It wasn't because of the relationship. Her inner child was making all of the decisions about what she felt, thought, and did. Her 13-year-old child state was in charge. And she, as adult Lisa, was not. How can a 13-year-old who experienced such trauma live in an adult body, live in adult life, and make adult decisions? They can't. So I told her that. And immediately she was able to relax. So we dove in deeper. We dove in t- uh, into talking directly to her 13-year-old self. Lots and lots of tears were shed by Lisa in this session. But we had to break through the barrier that her little, her little self, her child state, whom she wanted to refer to as Ray, uh, that was her middle name, uh, that created, that interfered with uh, Big Lisa's ability to live a confident, peaceful, and easier life. Ray came out immediately and was very happy not only to finally speak, but to finally be heard. You see, she'd been stuffed away and shooed away and silenced and hated so much by Big Lisa that it took my client to get to this breaking point to reach out to me and also for Ray to give me permission to enter in and help. So Ray did a great job of letting us know what she felt, what she thought, and what she needed from Big Lisa that by the end of the first session, Ray was actually starting to calm down. She's like, Ah, feels so good. And she felt relief. And she finally, for the first time in years, felt relaxed. Finally, somebody was listening to her. Two somebodies, me and Lisa. Finally, she could speak up. Finally, she wasn't ignored. And finally, she wasn't hated. You see, I explained to my client that for so many years, she has been in survival mode. That that shit doesn't change overnight. Um, but I can tell you that thinking about certain things, addressing little Ray, addressing your child state, uh, can truly be magical and change your life. And so that was our focus. 
So I invited Ray to let me speak to her. And I started to kind of train Lisa about how to speak to Ray. I know it sounds like a lot of names. Lisa's the adult. Ray is the child state. And Ray really appreciated it. So ultimately, like I said, by the end of the first session, Ray and Lisa made an agreement that Lisa would stop at every moment to listen, love, and help create a sense of safety for Ray. And Ray would do her best not to bombard Lisa with fearful thoughts and impulses. Ray interfered a lot. Ray ran the show. And I'm not talking about multiple personality disorder. I'm not talking about dissociative disorder. This is a part of you. It's your child state. It's your emotional state. And her emotional state was truly ruling her. And we had to stop that. Doesn't mean she couldn't have fun because that was her child state too. But we had to have little Ray chill out and let uh, Lisa take over and make adult decisions and create a sense of safety. So finally, Lisa learned how to stop and listen and love this part of herself instead of hate. And the anxiety lessened immediately. Lisa felt finally more in charge than she ever had in her life just after this reconnection and just after this one session. It was really amazing. I mean, I've done this work with so many of my clients over the years, and um, the minute we start tapping into their child state, of course, the tears come, but there are a lot of the times tears of relief. And so I always feel joyful when my clients cry at that particular moment, uh, not because I want to see my clients cry, but because I know, I know we got it. I know we got it. And once we have access to the child state, we can do magical work. So like I said, finally her anxiety lessened and she felt more in charge than ever just after this one session. And I was able to give her clear strategies about what to do when Ray began to act out, when the anxiety ramped up, when the suspicion ramped up, and uh, when the tornado of fear began uh, within Lisa. And I gave Lisa the homework to consciously talk to Ray about what she felt and thought all the time, basically. And we met the following week, and Lisa had several successes to report. She was able to recognize when Ray showed up. She was able to talk her down. She, um, Ray had uh, been responsible for Lisa snooping at her boyfriend's phone, looking at text messages, emails, just everything out of the need to find some evidence. So she was able to talk to Ray and calm her down and reassure her that there was no need to fear. And she was shocked that it worked. She had the best week ever, she said. And she said that her relationship with her boyfriend hadn't been better than it was right now. So I told Lisa that if anyone wants to look for evidence to back up a theory that they had of someone doing the very thing they feared the most, they could find it. They could turn any piece of information into something suspicious. Like I said, searching through a boyfriend's phone, his email, pictures, social media, and even reading into benign comments that he would make when they weren't rooted in malice at all. So week two, and she was able to use strategies and feel successful. She even agreed to begin to paint again, an outlet that she had thrown out of her life when the trial of her rapist began. She identified with this modality in a very, very negative way, and I wanted her to re-identify with it in a pleasurable way and not feel like she had to rob her child self of that. 
So I identified the root of her artistic shutdown. And once that was identified, which is what I just told you about, uh, Lisa and Little Ray made another agreement to return to painting and identify with it in a different way, creating a new and pleasant relationship with it rather than keep it connected to the trauma of the trial period. So she was able immediately in that second session, Ray said, that's cool. I think I really want to get back to that. So I tell you this story, y'all, because it's just beginning to unfold for Lisa as an illustration that the very emotions that drive us and our decision-making most often come from a place in our childhoods. So client after client, I hear stories about how they were raised uh, and traumas that happened to them and that they've let their child state drive their emotions and their decisions, um, their decision-making. And sometimes it'll either make them incredibly successful or like I had a 60-year-old woman come in and she's just fallen apart, feeling like everybody rejects her, nobody likes her. And it felt like I was talking to a uh, seven or eight-year-old um, and she just had the hardest time overcoming that. So some of these decisions that are made from early trauma really push us to become who we are. I've known many, many people, many successful people that because of their own uh, financial burdens early on or lack of finances and they've lived very, very poor lives, they push themselves to earn a shit ton of money and be very, very successful uh, in earning money. Uh, and like I said, some people can be very debilitated by what happens. And it's very interesting how certain people handle their lives differently than others. I'm always fascinated by that. The choice and the decision about how they're going to handle a trauma. The key to changing anybody's destiny is to connect with the child within. That's what I call the mini-me. So if you find that your emotions are running your life, and you can't seem to um, feel confident and certain and in control, then, uh, you know, and you're reactive and defensive and anxious and fearful. Think about what's happened to you in your life, but even more so, connect with that, uh, that child state because very often the challenges that you've had early on in life set the stage for your emotions leading you later on in life. They, your emotions will be in charge. Your child state will be in charge because it, it is forever trying to establish a sense of safety within you. Each of us has an active child state, whether or not we choose to access it. Um, I have known many people who, while they have a child state every now and then, they uh, let loose and let go. But for the most part, they've had to have been responsible for most of their lives. Um, my dad was like that. Like we would have, we would have fun. But for the most part, he was he was serious. He had a lot of responsibility early on. Had a tough life, and uh, being married with four kids, he had to work hard, and he did. Um, but and but some of y'all have had to grow up, like I said, very early on, and your child state really doesn't know how to have fun or play. Um, always having to be serious and responsible like my dad. Um, and you have some type of silliness at some point, but it doesn't come out very much. Others have child states that are immature, defensive, scared, and arrogant, very ego-driven. 
uh, with a poverty mindset. Still others have child states that are in constant fear and anxiety. Whatever your child state is, unless you acknowledge, listen, and love that part of yourself, you will never be able to experience true peace, the kind of true peace that, it, that is rightly yours to experience. I've had to work on my own trauma, especially when I was bullied at 12. And in uh, a previous podcast, I've talked about what my trauma was, what that was like. Uh, pivotal time in a young girl's life at 12 to be severely bullied. Um, my self-esteem was shot for much of my life. Uh, and I didn't make good decisions, and my judgment was poor. I had a hard time standing up for myself. I had a hard time choosing the right people to be with. And it wasn't until years later that I finally said, holy crap, this is what the deal is. It was little Janice. And little Janice was running the show. And I needed to love her, protect her, and honor her like my best friend. But I couldn't stand her. I didn't even know it was her, but I hated who I was. And if I didn't change all that to loving her and, and treating her as, like I said, my best friend, I was not going to get very far in life. So today I share this with you, my story, a little bit of mine, and a little bit of my client's story, in hopes that if you are somebody who struggles in some way like my client, and your emotions are preventing you from achieving self-confidence, inner peace, and success, this is the place to begin to heal I promise you, if this is the only work you do, you will make significant progress, make major breakthroughs in any and all relationships that you have, in any and all goals that you'd like to achieve, and you will definitely have a sense of gratitude uh, and accomplishment. So I wanted to give you a couple of steps. The, this is kind of in a nutshell what I do with my clients. So um, there are a few steps. One, what I want you to do when you have a chance, if, if you feel like this is coming up for you, I simply want you to go within and ask yourself how old your child state is that's coming up. Whatever the first number that comes up, you can write it down or just remember it. Uh, let them tell you. I don't want you to censor anything. This is not a thinking process. This is a being and a feeling process, a love process. So if you see or hear an age, just go with it. Don't overthink it. The second thing I ask uh, is that identify a name that you want to be called. I often suggest to my clients that if they had a nickname when they were younger that they really liked, that brought pleasant memories, use that. But if you don't, I have had clients who are like, you know, I never had a nickname. So I always say just call yourself little so-and-so, like I call myself little Janice. Um, I was called a lot of little nicknames in my family. Um, so I didn't have one in particular, but little Janice really seems to fit and she likes it. So that's how, that's what I call her. Um, the third step is to really start to see that child. So, um, it's, it's kind of like what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that child at that age out of your body and somewhere in the room that you're in, just notice where they are. Notice the position that they have themselves in the room. Um, if they're sitting in a chair, laying on the floor, in the corner, how are they sitting? What are they wearing? How are they using their bodies to convey their feelings to you? Um, and then once you identify this, then all I want you to do is have a conversation. But you can't come at them mad. That's, that's absolutely not allowed. I want you to ask them how they're feeling. 
and what they need. Most times my clients will find out that their mini-me's don't know what to say at first. If that's the case, especially the young ones, uh, and even, even the adolescents, just ask them what they need. You know, talk to them at the age that they're at. Most of the times it's really love and touch that they need. Maybe they need to come and sit next to you and lean into you and be held by you and that's enough. And if you find that you're talking to them in a loving way, that is awesome. Keep it up. It's exactly what they need. And sometimes they may need you to acknowledge what they think and feel. And they may need you to come up with a way to help them. And sometimes you as adult may go, I don't know how to do it. And that's them too. But most often, uh, you'll get a hunch of something. And so in your mind, just ask them, what do you think this would work? Would you like this? Uh, and go with whatever your gut tells you. So once they're calm, because they've been acknowledged, ask them, just as you would talk to a child of that age, like I said, that was actually in front of you or next to you, it would sound something like this. So if I was talking to little Janice, probably around 12, or we could do 8 or 12, same thing. I'd say, sweetheart, tell me what's going on. How, what, what, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? And I never get turned off by her anymore. If she doesn't want to answer me, uh, I honestly, it's just all love. I have a love fest with her. Then I ask her, you know, talk to me about what happened. And she says, maybe I don't want to talk about it. So then I start reflecting on what I think she's feeling. I know it's hard. It's hard for you to talk about. I just want you to know that I love you and I'm here for you. And whatever you need from me, I will do. And so if you can, ask your child self what your child self needs from you to help keep them safe. And they will give you the answer. If they don't answer you, just hold them, love them, kiss them, send them love, whatever it is to create a sense of love and connection. Sometimes, like I said, it's more hugging. Sometimes it's reassurance. Sometimes it's actually something that you could actually do to pave the way for a future sense of safety. The goal is to practice this consciously and often and to agree never ever to silence that part of yourself again because she is you and you are her. He is you and you are him. And your job is to love and nurture this part of yourself as if it were a real person because you are a real person. Love that part of yourself enough that it matures and grows and it doesn't stay stuck in a time or a place so that part can allow you as the adult to live a joyous and fulfilling life and make decisions on your behalf that allow you to be propelled into an amazing future but also living a life that's grounded in the now. So regardless of what you might have happened to you in the past, love yourself. I know this sounds corny. Love that small part of yourself that so very much needs to be loved. If you feel like this resonates with you and you'd like to work more on it, I've done this work for years with hundreds of clients and I can help you create uh, solutions and resolve very quickly. We don't even have to go revisit trauma at all, but we do need to address the needs of your child state. 
reach out to me. My email is Janice at JaniceRCohen.com. My phone is 404-558-3971. If you need help with this, reach out to me. I work with people all over the world and help them uh, using this modality. And always, if you feel like this information has been helpful, um, please go to iTunes and write a rating uh, and write a review. It would be so helpful. I, I the, the ratings and reviews that I've got have just really uh, warmed my heart. And so I would appreciate that. I keep getting calls and calls and emails and emails saying thank you for the content that I put out. So I'm grateful y'all are appreciating it. And uh, I'm going to keep working at it. Uh, and as always, look, I wish you a wonderful week, uh, a blessed week, a wonderful day. And as always, live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.